Welcome to the Empathic Advantage, the empowerment podcast for sensitive folk. I'm your host, Hanna Marikiris, and I'm on a mission to show you all the wonderful ways that you can thrive in this world, whether you call yourself an empath, a highly sensitive person, or simply a little different. In a world that's not exactly geared towards us feely folk, there are important conversations to be had to shift the paradigm that there is such a thing as being too sensitive. My guests and I will talk life, career and leadership, spiritual and less spiritual practices, and anything in between to empower you to use your endless gifts as an empath in truly all walks of life, whether you feel called by the healing arts or building rocket ships. So if you're ready to explore the possibility that your sensitive nature is truly nothing you need to fix, and that you can have the life you want not despite your empathic nature, but because of it, well, then you're home, my friend. I truly believe that now more than ever, the world could really use the empathic advantage, and I want to make sure that you find yours. So let's jump right in, shall we? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Empathic Advantage. I hope you guys are doing well. I'm personally feeling a little bit of a sore throat over here, and my voice is a little hoarse. But thankfully, this episode was recorded a little earlier, so I only have the great pleasure of introducing my guest to you today. I am really thrilled to have you listen in because this episode is going to be a treat for anyone who's ever been feeling like they need to shut down that empathic side for their job and haven't really been able to figure out how to bring more of their intuitive gifts to their career. Or perhaps you've tried doing that, but have gotten side eyes for doing things in a slightly different way than what's expected of you. It is going to be so inspiring because I'm speaking with Jennifer Killian today. She is an architect based in Tennessee. She has over 20 years of experience in the trade and she owns her own business, Jen Smith Architect. And I'm telling you guys, the way she approaches designing homes for her clients really has the empathic fingerprints all over it. Through combining her passion for architecture, she has had from childhood with her intuitive abilities, she's able to craft homes that not only have everything her clients asked for, but also the things that they didn't know to ask for. She's taken an incredibly down-to-earth industry and put her own intuitive spin on it, and in her hands, your crazy, insane Pinterest board ideas really become your energetically aligned dream home blueprint. If you've been looking for permission, although you don't really need it, or at least just a little bit of inspiration to combine your 95 and your empathic abilities, you really don't want to miss this one. So without further ado, on to the episode. So hi, Jen. I am so happy that you are joining me on this podcast today. I'm happy to be here. I've been so excited for this conversation with you. So before we dive into what you're up to today, can you just walk us through a little bit of your background? Yeah, yeah. So um, I have always loved design and knew from a very early age that I wanted to draw house plans or be an architect, work with design. Like that's always just been a passion of mine. Even like 10, 12 years old, my dad would bring graph paper home from work so I could just sketch out like my dream home or my dream bedroom. I think that's where it started. And so I always knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, but I was also a very shy kid, anxious, like people pleaser. I 
you know, was definitely, um, I think inside my own shell, I wouldn't really put myself out there. I remember my mom would always like her motto to me was like, you'll never know unless you try, you'll never know unless you try. So half of the things that I went out, like out of my comfort zone to do was because of my mother's like just encouragement and just urging me to just go, you just at least got to try what's the worst that's going to happen. So I think most of my life was spent on that like edge of like, I want to, but I don't want to, I want to, but I don't. So um, I did eventually um, get into architecture school and um, from there uh, got my degree. Uh, we went to Europe. That's also where I met my current husband was not in Europe, but in college. Um, but even then, like I wanted to go to Europe, but I would have never done it on my own. It was something that like my best friend and my husband were like, we're totally doing this. So I was like, okay, well, I guess everybody else is doing it. I'll do it. So I feel like I've always kind of like held myself back in a way just because of fear of the unknown and just not wanting to get out of my comfort zone. Even though I now I realize like that's where the growth and the, the action really happens. Um, it took me a very long time to get to the point where I'm share myself with the world, I guess, essentially. And that's where I am now. So um, I didn't really discover the whole empath side of myself until, or I, I guess I always knew I was sensitive to the world around me, but I never really could put that into words um, until recently, actually. Um, but things really started to shift for me when I was in my late 20s and stumbled on a documentary um, about Edgar Casey and his experience with the Akashic Records, which at the time I had never heard of the Akashic Records, um, but apparently it is this energetic library that houses all of the wisdom of the universe. So it was just fascinating to me that he would go into these deep meditative states and could just answer questions for people with like such clarity and it also was really fascinating to me because he was brought up super religious, like very like Christian background. So for him to kind of balance these two contradictory um, topics to me was just, it sent me into this mode of just like, I need to learn as much as I can about this. And from there, that was my late 20s. And so from there, it was. Um, really just like trying to pick up and read as much information as I could about anything really related to spirituality at all. Um, so that kind of led into meditation. And um, from there, I just explore any anything I can. And it's kind of brought me to where I am now. So was that just around the same time? Or what's the timeline like in terms of you being you know, going to school for architecture and then finding all of that spiritual side? I had, let's see, so I graduated college at 23. And so probably about five, but I was like 27 or 28 when I stumbled on all of that. Um, because I remember like the, one of the very first people that I would could ever talk to about it was another girl that was like a product rep. And she's one of my best friends now. And we just, even last week, and we were like, we've always struggled with marrying the spiritual side to our professional side. And back when 
we were both kind of just getting into it, we found like this kinship and this friendship with one another at work, but it really was, you know, based in our love of just like spiritual concepts and ideas. So that was, that's probably been about 15 years ago. Hmm. And so if I remember correctly, you come from a longer line of architects as well. Kind of, yeah. I wouldn't say they were actually trained architects, but like my grandfather, he drew up his house that he built. He and my grandmother, you know, chopped the wood and dried it and he drew up the house and they built it, you know, from the ground up. And I always remember my um, my grandma was just always into painting the house. She sewed curtains. She would arrange furniture differently. It was like anytime I went to her house, I would just kind of run around to see like what all she had changed because inevitably she would have moved something or changed something to like make the design or the interior of her home like a little bit different. And can you also talk a little bit about kind of your um, emotional experience studying architecture and what that was like for you? Oh my God, like fish out of water, like absolutely. Like I had no idea what I was getting into. Like I knew that I just loved to draw and I loved design and houses, but they gave us a book to read on our, like before we even started college. And it was like a candid guide to the practice of architecture. And I read one chapter and I stopped because I was like, if I finish this book, I don't think I will, I'll do this because they, it was constant like criticism. Like you have your ideas, you create your projects, and then they make you get up in front of the room and present your ideas to everyone. And then they just tell you everything that's wrong with it. And me being a people pleaser, like my voice would shake. It was just pure, like nervous energy. And it did not help. I'm sure being an empath. Cause I just, I, I probably felt all of the energy of everybody else also being nervous. So it was just, I don't know. I never could become, I never could get comfortable with that. It took like many years later, I'm still not comfortable like public speaking or anything, but to me, it actually at least made me comfortable presenting ideas to people that I'm okay if you love it I'm okay if you hate it like I can take it like the criticism now does not bother me but in those early days like straight out of high school when I was like 18 19 20 like it was the most nerve-wracking not fun experience I think I could <laughs> if I didn't love architecture so much I think I would have probably dropped out I was just about to ask, like, what sustained you? What what made you keep keep going? I just, I well, it helped that I, I was, I don't want to say it helped that I was a people pleaser, but I was good enough at kind of reading what the professors wanted or what they expected, and then I could just give them that, and I would get an A. Like, it was just that was easy enough for me. I'm like, I can do that to get through this because it'll be worth it. All I want to do is get my license in architecture and do what I want to do. Like that was my motto for probably over a decade. And I didn't get my license until I was like 33 or 34. So that was my motto, get your license and then you can do what you want. So it sustained me through, yeah, the criticism, just kind of giving them what I knew they wanted 
even though it might not have aligned with what I creatively wanted to do. I'm sure that a lot of people have similar experiences with (laughs) whatever they've studied, especially if they went to study on somebody else's recommendation or or Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I myself like went to like, literally, I was able to go to the university and and have fun. I studied (sighs) special education. Not uh-huh. a day spent in that profession, but I, I just studied <laughs> it because it was fascinating. I yeah, loved yeah. subjects involved. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I raised some eyebrows for sure. I mean, there was fun aspects too. I guess there was fun, like it was a small group of us. So I was really close with the people I was there with. And then there was a lot of travel because they wanted to show us different architecture around the U.S. and then going to Europe a couple of times. So that made it more fun. So how did you end up marrying, you know, your architect's um, career and and the sensitive side of things and the spiritual side of things? So I, for a long time, did not. After the birth of my first son, I left my like corporate job um, like six months later to go work with my husband who was had his own like design build company. And that allowed me to at least, I think, have a little more freedom over what I did in a professional capacity. Um, and that was sort of the bridge that kind of led me toward, okay, I can't, I don't like having somebody tell me what to do, even though I especially didn't like it that that person was my husband. So at some point, maybe I think it was about 2018, end of 2018, we got to the point where we were like, this, I just don't think we can do this anymore. Like I'm going to start my own business was what I said. And That was also about the same time we were doing a lot of, I was taking Reiki, which is um, channeling sort of like the universal energy, like basically becoming a channel and using that energy to heal or just kind of inject it into whatever it is, whether it's a person or a project. And so I was learning a lot about Reiki when I was starting my business and we were also going to he was interested in shamanism because his mom is like half native american um so he was interested in the shamanism and so we were doing these shaman classes as well and um at there at the shaman retreat you would ask people questions and then they would lay down and go on a journey for you and then they would come back from this journey and have an answer for you And I was ready, really ready to try to help as many people as I could start incorporating that spiritual aspect in my business. But I had no, no clue, like how to do that. Like, I just could not see a way that the two could come together. And so she, the girl that did the journey for me, and I'd asked, how can I do this? She was like, just sit in nature and start writing, just start writing. So I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I'll do that. And so I just started writing and I was just writing about building a house, like building, writing about the home building process. And I also bought a course about how to read the Akashic records at the same time. And she was saying 
you could do um, readings on anything, people, animals, houses, anything that holds an ener energetic sort of blueprint or energetic footprint to it. Like they, that has energy to it and there is an Akashic record for that. So um, that I think just harkened back to that Edgar Casey. like I just wanted to be able to do what he did. I did not really think I could use it in my business at that point. So I had started practicing doing that a little bit and um, I would read houses like my good friend that I talked about earlier. She was like, I'm thinking about buying this house. Will you do a reading for me on the house? So and see what comes up or whatever. So I did a reading for her and the message that came through was like, this house is for someone else. Like you don't need to explore that. Like you're, you can move past this. You don't need this home. And so shared that message with her. And, you know, we went down that path a couple times with different houses with her and um, still not really using it in my business business. I was just kind of dabbled on the side. And then I, I signed up for a business coaching class and the, um, the coach was really into hypno breath work, which is using your breath to put yourself into basically a state of hypnosis. Like it puts your brain into that theta wavelength. And once you get into that wavelength, she'll prompt you to like ask questions, like ask yourself questions. Um, like you basically get an answer from your soul when you ask the question, because your thinking brain, your conscious brain is kind of out of the equation. And one night in one of those sessions, I, it just came through and it was like, you need to read the Akashic record for your client's future homes. And I was just like, oh, that's genius. Cause I get stuck designing people's homes sometimes. Like I know I need to give them more content or more um, of a design, but I honestly, like I could go in any direction and I never really know which way to go. So I was like, that's actually a great idea. I could just go into the records and read for their home at this location, even though it doesn't exist yet. It does, I'm sure, energetically. And so I've started doing that with clients and not necessarily telling them it's just something I do as part of my creative process. Um, but I've gotten such good feedback that everybody always says like, wow, this is really spot on or you nailed it. How did you know that that was really close to what I actually was envisioning too? Or like sometimes I'll see an image in my head and not really know how to you know, bring it into fruition kind of on paper. And then I'll get an email or something from the client and it'll be an image. And I'm like, oh my God, that's it. That's what I saw. And I can then take their kind of inspiration picture and put it into their drawings for them. So what is the process like? So somebody comes into your office, says, I want a house, maybe it's mm -hmm. a couple. So what's, yeah, walk us through your process. So it usually starts with, uh, just we meet and I get as much information as I can about them. I like to meet in person. It's nice to just see people kind of get an intuitive feel on who they are anyway, because that's really all I relied on in the past was just kind of what I picked up on who they are and what I thought they would like or want in a home. Um, so I still do that, meet with them. And I ask tons of questions, 
especially about just what their needs and wants, budget, property. I like to know what the site looks like, how it's going to be oriented, where the views are. Um, a lot of that kind of pre-design information um, comes in first. And then once I have everything from them, and sometimes people have photos, sometimes they have floor plans that they like, and sometimes they don't. They're just like, we just love to see what you come up with. So it doesn't matter if they have images or floor plans, um, just as long as I get to know them and they give me feedback about what they need and want, what the budget is, and where the house is going to be located property-wise. Then you kind of go into, like, once you have that basic information, you then go and tap into that mm -hmm. spiritual kind of intuitive. Yeah. Before I put anything into the computer, I'll do like an Akashic reading, which is basically me going into meditation. I have an Akashic opening prayer and a closing prayer. And I really just kind of sit in meditation and take in um, everything. And usually the reading is more, I mean, I've had it several experiences. Sometimes I see like case studies, like, oh, I need to use this house and this house as case studies for their projects. So I know kind of what to look at in terms of inspiration. Sometimes I see myself just walking through the house and just how it feels and how it looks, kind of where the windows are. And just, I get a sense of how the space feels. And then sometimes it'll go right into like, make sure this is moved over and make sure this is, you know, I can go right into like a certain area of the house and see how that needs to be designed. And when that happens, it's really weird the way I could go in and just start moving that stuff around. And then the rest of the house just kind of falls into place around it. Is the reading based on the people or is it based on their future home or how does that work? I say, so when I do the prayer, I would say like, I want to read Hannah Marie's home. I would like to read the record of Hannah Marie's home at XYZ location. Like I don't say future home. I don't say anything like that. I just say your name and your house at this location, which is the property address. So I want to tap into, I don't want to say like the future. I just want like, I want to know what that home looks like right now. So basically you take somebody's crazy Pinterest board and you just <laughs> kind of like organize it in a way. Oh my God. Can I call you? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. I know. I love doing that stuff too. Yeah. I basically take your crazy, your crazy ideas and then I kind of run them through like the, the spiritual spectrum of, you know, universal wisdom and let the universe tell me exactly what you need in this home and then that's what the outcome is when you get your set of blueprints is it always the akashic records or is it also just sometimes this intuitive knowing yes very much so um i mean it's never just the akashic records there's so much intuitive some so much of just using my intuition in terms of what you're going to like, what you're not going to like, because when I'm doing the house plans, that's just me putting lines on a screen and turning it into, you know, a, a construction set. So the builder knows what he's supposed to do. But a lot of times when it comes to material choices and, you know, when the person is trying to to decide, I don't always know what their priorities are. Do they want something durable? Do they want something trendy? Do they want something energy efficient? Do they want something just functional and inexpensive? And so 
I really rely on my intuition in that area of selecting materials and finishes because I just think like, well, what, what would they like? Oh yeah, I can totally see them wanting that. And then going forward with that, and that doesn't necessarily um, translate much coming from the Akashic Records. So I do rely on my intuition a lot, especially um, for materials and finishes. Honestly, like I, I feel like we need more of you in this trade. <laughs> Anybody listening, please take note. This is possible because... <laughs> You know, there's there's so many people, myself included, I'll be the first one to kind of raise my hand and say like, yeah, everything looks perfect in my head. And then once I start putting it out into the material world, it's like, this is not <laughs> what I had in right. mind. Right. And right. so if there was somebody who was like, yeah, no, this is like, we got to move this over here. This needs to be like this. <laughs> yeah. I am quickly interrupting this episode to ask you that if you're finding this podcast insightful, to think of one friend who might benefit from tuning in and send the link to this episode to them. I truly want to reach as many of us as I can, and I'm really grateful for your help. Now, back to the chat. So in terms of people's homes and the energetic of people's homes, do you just kind of like visit people and do you get those pings or those downloads in terms of, oh, this actually should be over here? Do you get this urge to move stuff around at all? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel it like when I go into people's houses, the um, I mean, just any building really in general, you can, you, I don't know why, just notice the details or feel just the energetics of the space. And I, it, the thought came to me this morning. Um, one of the first books I ever bought when I was still like just pretending to be an architect, I wasn't actually out of high school or anything yet was like feng shui. Like I loved reading feng shui books because it was all about how energy flows like in space and how to really make sure you don't block the energy and it is able to move. And there's so many nuances to it and I'm by no means an expert in feng shui, but it just fascinates me with just how you keep your space organized, how you keep it clutter free and how, um, you know, the location of your bedroom and like the different quadrants of the house, like there's a feng shui um, kind of board, I guess, that you can kind of overlay on your house plan to make sure that you are using the spaces in the way that is most energetically beneficial. And what do you think would happen if everybody lived in houses and, and had spaces surrounding them that just made sense <laughs> energetically? Oh, goodness. I think it, we would probably have a lot happier world civilization society in general because god you think we spend 80 percent of our lives inside of our homes and if it's not conducive to healthy happy living it just seems like you're not going to give 100 percent of yourself to the outside world uh, if you can't feel comfortable inside your own home and i know that a lot of people do have to, like, you struggle, like, I know a lot of people struggle with, like, OCD, and just, and I think a lot of that comes from just the space you surround yourself with, or the stuff you surround yourself with, like, I think our 
consumption and how much stuff people own like really, really impacts our mental health more than I think people realize. Yeah, I think that is so true. And for somebody who is more on the empathic side, more on the sensitive side, I think it's crucial that we pay attention to that space around us. And I'm wondering as well, did you read the records for your own house by any chance? I did not actually. Wait, I did not. No, I never went into the records for this house. But I feel like the more we're here, we do keep, um, like it holds space for me to read the records for other people. So in a way, um, I don't know that I have to read the records for here because it actually is my my safe haven to produce you know, what I do for other people. So what about public buildings? Do you go into then kind of energetics of what that building needs to be like if let's say it's a museum or a hotel or library or something? Mm -hmm. There are no like specific people behind it, but you, how would you go about that? Do you mean like if I were going to read the records of a public building? Yeah. To be. Oh, uh, to be, um, I've never done that actually, because most of my work is all custom homes. I would be curious, honestly, what that would be like, because I think I feel like the energies of like a custom home, when you read the records for somebody and their home, it's very specific. Um, so I would like to think that if I read the records for a public building, it would be what would be the most benefit for those who that space is meant to serve um that's my guess but i've honestly never done it so i'm not sure just throwing it out there you know what about prisons i know yeah exactly like i imagine it wouldn't be tiny little cells they would probably have like a wall of windows on the inside <laughs> probably let's get jen on the case people <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure how thrilled I'd be about designing prisons, but if the need arose, I guess I could <laughs> do it. So going into um, people's personal homes, and if obviously there are people listening who are perhaps sensitive and, and more empathic and kind of more tuned to the external mm -hmm. energetics of, of where they are and, and how everything kind of fits together. And you know, people like me who just literally are tone deaf in that sense, right? <laughs> like we have visions, but yeah. they rarely come out the way that we wanted them to. <laughs> Where do we start? Where do we start putting together a place or a space for us that makes sense? I would start with pieces. So like, if you love a certain piece of furniture, like use that, like, Start with items you love. Start with curating your space and surrounding yourself with items that you particularly love. If you've got clutter, I would try to, or things that just could be stored and tucked behind something just to clear like mental space. Like, I don't know if you're like this, but if my desk is cluttered, like I feel so unproductive. So for me, it's about making sure the space is clean. And then if there are elements or items that I decorate with, they're items that I love um, or that have sentimental value so that when you are looking around your space, you are seeing things that you know you love. Same with color, like start with colors you love. Um, 
like all my doors in my house are green just because I wanted to bring some color in, but I wasn't confident painting walls colors. So I was like, let's just do the doors. And I absolutely love just like seeing this like pop of color, you know, on doorways, nothing big. Also, if you were looking at like Pinterest, like Pinterest is a great treasure trove of ideas. So what happens a lot of times when my clients come in with these ideas from Pinterest, it's like, oh, we want a one-story house. And then everything on their Pinterest board is two stories. So I'm like, well, like you got to consider your context, I think is what I'm getting at. Um, so consider, you know, if you have a room with a fireplace in it and a double window, look for rooms in the Pinterest world, look for rooms that have that fireplace and the windows, like try to find elements that are similar to the space that you're also trying to work with. Um, and really, I think coming down to things you love, keeping it clean and tidy is going to do so much for your emotional well-being. And I think I mentioned this in our last conversation, but I love as much natural light as possible. And I love plants, like bringing as much of the outside in as possible, just because you'll have so much cleaner air. Um, also, think about the flow. Like you want to think about how traffic flows through your space first and foremost, because the way traffic flows is the way energy is going to flow. So you want to kind of keep movement like available, like for the space. So when you think about your living room, like making sure you can move around the couch comfortably, moving around end tables or coffee tables. Um, and that also works with your bedroom or an office, um, kids rooms, like that is something that you could use regardless of space. Like always think about the flow, how you're going to move through the space and how um, how much clearances you have when you're thinking about furniture. I see a lot of people buy like, I love this couch. And then they get home and it's like, wow, that couch didn't look big in the showroom, but it's enormous for my space. So thinking about flow and thinking about the size, like thinking about the scale of your space. So if you have a small living room, choose smaller pieces of furniture because the flow around smaller pieces of furniture will make the space feel better as opposed to having some oversized super comfy sofa that just basically takes over the entire space. Well, thank you so much for that. I think that has been incredibly insightful. I've personally gotten a number of tips from there, starting with um, starting with the pieces. I think that was super intriguing. And I'm wondering, since we're wrapping up, is there anything that we haven't touched upon today that you would like to leave everybody with? This came to me this morning. Um, I was on the treadmill and running and I, it just like hit me. Like I have always run like most of my life, like ran track in high school. I would get up and run before school. I'd run after school. I ran not on track teams or anything, but I would run in college just for fun. And like, I've just always done it. And I think for me, that was really like my body's way of expelling kind of all of those energies that I was collecting because I was mentioning this podcast to my friend and she was like oh my god I'm an empath too like she's like I think that's why I started drinking was because I didn't know what to do with all of this like stuff that I felt and I was like oh my god like that is like how do you process it how do you deal with all of the energy that you kind of take in like we're little sponges just taking in all this energy from around us and not really realizing it and then you're just kind of stuck with it and so I think if that's you and you just feel stuck with like energy that 
isn't yours, like it's okay to give it back or just get physically active. And it like your body almost knows how to release it and transmute it for you. If that's something you're struggling with. Thank you for sharing that. I think that will resonate <laughs> with a lot of people um, who are exactly like, yeah, how do I put that backpack yeah. down? Yeah. Right? How do I just set it down? Yeah. Set down what is not mine. Yes. hundred percent. Yes. So where can people find you? Where can people work with you? Do you only work locally? Do you have some perhaps more internationally available um, offerings? So I have, um, you can find me on Instagram at Jen Smith Architect, and that's Jen, J-E-N-N, two N's. Um, and you can just follow me there if you'd like. And you can also go to my website. It's jensmitharchitect.com. And there I have um, several freebies. One is um, how to create your own vision board for your dream home. And another is a quiz on what home style nurtures your soul. And it kind of dives into just how you like to live and interact with your space and which style of home is most comforting for your heart and soul. So that's a fun quiz to take. And I mostly work locally, but I'm in the beginning phases of starting a course um, just on how to navigate the dream home process like a pro. So um, that'll be on my website as well shortly. So you could hop on the wait list for that as well. Nice. So I think that's more, um, you know, one of those offerings that is that is just kind of digitally and available online so that people who are currently in this process are just kind of going through those questions and having some issues. Then Jen, yeah. Jen is there to help with with her know-how. And I also took the quiz. It was oh, super good. spot on, by the way. Um, very earthy, very like country sort of um, nice. vibes which I find, I think, was absolutely 100% well, me. So, all right. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you, Anna. It's a pleasure.